0: AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at reproduction. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Welcome to 2024. We're going to ease into the new year. We're going to take a look back at some of the lessons learned in 2023, what we learned from the 2023 used machinery market, and we'll wrap up with some conversations about giving crops every chance possible to set a new record and how to make sure your animals are ready for peak performance in 2024.
1: Virtually live on this first day of the rest of the year via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we'll hear from Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. Then we'll empty the cookie jar of interviews Chip recorded at NAFB's Trade Talk. I'm producer Big Apple Joe Stackler, and now the host of AgriTalk,
0: Chip Flory. All right, Big Apple Joe, welcome to 2024, buddy. Yes, sir. Uh, I trust everything is safe. Yes. Good, good, good. That's good to hear. Yeah, I, I hope that everybody had a safe and uh, and uh, good New Year's Eve, and we're setting the stage for a profitable and prosperous 2024. Welcome to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Davis is out. He'll be back with us tomorrow and for the rest of the week. Uh, hello, 2024. Wow. it. it it, what have you got in store for us in the year ahead? That's what I want to know. And and what did we learn from 2023 that we need to have top of mind as we launch into this new year? Um, I want to start with interest rates on this one, okay, guys? It, it They're done going up, we think. They might go down, we think. But I think the talk of lower interest rates is way overdone at this point. We're going to have to take some of the bullishness, some of the yeah, some of the bullishness that's been injected into the equities out to reset for the rest of the year. I don't think there's any question about that. Now, does it happen all at once, or do we just kind of whittle away at at the S and P five hundred over the course of a month or so, and and kind of realign with reality on? What's going to be happening with interest rates? Or do we take it out all at once and just hit the, you know, rip the Band-Aid off and reset things? Keep this in mind as we think about interest rates. Interest rate cuts normally do not happen just because an all-clear sign has been given. You know, an all-clear sign that that the rate of inflation is down to an acceptable level. Interest rates, Interest rates go down when the economy needs stimulus. That's why I think we're going to see some tough economic reports before we get to the rate cuts. Um, And, you know, that's true if the Fed is as nonpartisan as it claims to be, as nonpolitical as it claims to be. If there are interest rate cuts done simply as a reward for slowing down the rate of inflation... Then we're going to have to question all of that as we get into the elections in 2024. Consumer resiliency, it proved strong in 2023. Will it continue into 2024? There's a trillion dollars in credit card debt out there already. Delinquencies on those credit cards, on car payments, they're all starting to pile up. Uh, One thing that I will do is anticipate a record corn yield in 2024 not a trend line yield but a record corn yield there are wide areas of drought that need to be corrected i get that and there is time for that but the 2023 corn crop proved again that genetic improvement and management really matter that's part of what i talked about earlier this year with Whiffle's hybrids agronomy manager we're back at the national association farm broadcasting meeting uh down in kansas city and uh Time for a conversation with Jared Goplin. He is the agronomy manager with Wiffles. And, Jared, holy smokes, you want to talk about a crash course and learning what it takes to grow corn. We've experienced it the last two years, haven't we? Yeah,
2: no kidding. Uh, We all thought it took a lot more rain, right? A lot of surprises this year. Given the amount of uh, conversations about drought earlier in the season, Uh, of course, uh, a year to remember, Um, you know, it's been a lot of conversations as we wrap up some of our post-harvest discussions, trying to figure out, you know, what was going on with this crop and what built this crop. And, um, you know, water availability, soil types, you know, all those variables were, were huge this year and, uh, you know, really incredible what some of the hybrids of today are able to do, uh, given some of the stresses we're, we're experiencing. Yeah. Uh, that was going to be my next question is how did it happen?
0: I, 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 yeah, the genetics, the hybrids that are available, it all plays a role. Management plays a role as well, but, um, some of these areas performed way better than they should have
2: yeah there's been some uh, some work actually from Iowa State they had done that uh, every inch of water gives you about 17 bushels of corn so if you start to do the kind of the math on you know what some of these areas uh, you know got for rainfall some areas that had 10 inches of rain uh, still had 250 bushels yeah. corn well that tells you there was a lot that was in the subsoil moisture so a uh, big part of the, the variable there um, so I think you know that's part of it uh, whether it was snowmelt or just soil moisture recharge Uh, You know, dry springs are also really good for root development. You know, I've got a a neighbor that always said uh, we lose way more yield in a wet year than we do in a dry year, uh, especially when it's early season. So I think that was a big factor. Uh, Maybe one that we probably don't credit enough uh, in years, just having good conditions for root growth. Uh, When those roots are able to penetrate down into that subsoil moisture, you know, it kind of gives you that buffer once you get into those hot and dry months of July and August. Um, You know, so that that was a big factor. And then, you know, looking back at temperatures too, you know, in my mind it was a hot summer. Uh, But for the most part, we were fairly moderate, maybe a little warmer than normal, but not excessive early. Uh, There was kind of three peaks in heat, you know, one late July and and two in late August uh, and then over Labor Day weekend. Uh, But aside from that, it was a pretty moderate temperatures. Um, So I think, you know, that's obviously going to help out the crop just to help limp it along. And and these areas got just enough rain to keep it going. Okay, so what did you
0: learn from 2023 that's going to help you make the right decisions for 24?
2: Yeah, of course, uh, you know, that's another big topic. You know, we can't predict next year, uh, you know, but uh, of course it's important to diversify. You know, plant a package, that's always a big part of our message, and, you know, really that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, we never want to rush in and, and make, uh, you know, any crazy decisions based on a single year of, of data, right? So you're looking back at some of your, how your hybrids performed, whether on a farm or at plot data. Uh, that's a big part of what we're doing right now is combing through that plot data and, and talking about trying to figure out why a hybrid performed the way it did. Uh, you know, next year is going to have different weather patterns. So, you know, so that's why it's always important to not only look at this year, but, you know, previous years as well, just to kind of put that together and and uh, and kind of minimize your risk going forward with a package of different hybrids, different products. Right. Okay. What's in the pipeline from Wiffles? Yeah, so we've had a couple of really strong release classes a couple of years. Uh, you know, two dozen new products in the last couple of years, and, and we're kind of combing through new ones to release this winter as well. So there's a lot to choose from. And if we think about the environment that these hybrids have went through, um, they've had a lot of stresses. So uh, we really have uh, had great opportunities to select new hybrids that can handle the stresses, but also have that upper upper uh, yield potential as well. Uh, a couple of new products we're really excited about, uh, you know, 60 and 86 is 111 day. Uh, just really consistent across the board, yielding well in high yielding environments. Uh, in those areas that didn't get catch rain, doing very well as well. Uh, a lot of robust, robust products around the 100 day lineup as well, as well as uh, you know around that 107 day mark as well. So, uh, a lot of really great products going forward. And you know, like every farmer out there, I'm I'm really optimistic and looking forward to the 2024 season. Wouldn't it be some if we'd get like an inch and a quarter, inch and a half of rain every week? for a growing season yeah well, that would be be excellent i mean a lot of comments this year man if we got another inch of rain two inches of rain at the right time uh it really would have been incredible i do we could could get out there so hopefully for next year right that's right we'll keep praying for it all right thank you so much
0: jared that is jared Goplin. he is the agronomy manager at wiffles we'll be back with more agritalk here in a moment
5: Shane, repeat here, folks. This segment of Talk brought to you by our friends at Dakota Egg Innovations, makers of Dakota Shine, the best way I've seen to fix faded paint. Go to dakotashine.com or call
0: 888-996-7801. Welcome back to Talk. I'm your host, Chip Floyd Glad that you are with us on this New Year's Day, 2024. 2024. Here we are. Open the door and... Let's just go rolling right into it with a conversation with Greg Peterson Machinery Pete. How you doing Greg? Happy New Year.
5: Happy New Year to you Chip and happy New Year to all listeners out there and yeah, I guess we'll have to get used to 24. That doesn't yeah. sound possible, but here like you said, here we are. Let's go. <laughs>
0: Dude, I know it. It it uh it is really really weird and and for a kid that was born with a 5 at the end of his birth year <laughs> that that next big milestone is coming up really really quick
5: yeah uh, they they come faster don't they
0: oh they do they do i guess it's from chasing grandkids now
5: uh hey but as as we speed along with our yeah. numbers getting older hey the grandkid part uh we just yeah. had our first in August, and uh, it's what all my friends told me, Pete. You're gonna, you're just gonna love it. Can't describe it, and it's like, yep, you were all right. <laughs> you,
0: were, <laughs> you were exactly right, exactly <laughs> right. Okay, you know what? We're not gonna do a pick of the week. Uh, there were some auctions in the latest week as we got into the end of the year, but Greg, with everything that happened in 2023, and I can't, I I can't recall the number of times specifically that that you said, man, this was the hottest week we've ever seen, man, this was the hottest week we've ever seen. It happened a few times in 2023,
5: didn't it? Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, whenever the the market decides to turn, whether it's, I'll be really interested when the calendar flips and we take out the year end tax buyers, but you know, regardless, whenever it does turn, I'm sure we'll look back on this period of from late, late 2020 through whenever it, you know, doing what it's doing is, you know, it's, it'll just be the hottest period that ever was in the used farm equipment market. It's been unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And some of the things that happened in 2023, it took a little bit of detective work to try to figure out exactly what was going on, why the market remained as hot as it was, even as the supply of used equipment started to increase.
5: Yeah, you know, I think Chip, you're right. I 2023 to me, the biggest story is is like you say, the changing supply side, both mm-hmm. new, but even more so in the used market because we were coming off of absolute never before seen historic lows from 21 through 22. Right. Um, so we did start to see used, you know, inventory on dealer lots rise around the country. Now, what's been really interesting is in our shared collective past through the ups and downs of the ag cycles, and if you know listeners, you. You guys have seen everything. I mean, going back to the 70s and 80s and, um, you know, rising supply of use always meant, okay, well, hmm, guess what? Use yeah. values are going to crash downward. Yeah. And, you know, it it's different now. Now, there have been some softening. Use combines, number yeah. one. But even compared to the the downturn we saw a year ago, when uh, late 13 14 15 is the biggest drop i've ever seen in my 34 years track and used values this one is not that and it surprises people um but underneath it <clears throat> some interesting things so yeah we all know the number of farm equipment dealers is much smaller Mm -hmm. And these smaller dealers are huge, humongous, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 stores plus now, multi-state deals. And what I saw happen in 23Chip was that these the fewer number of dealers, and I've been saying for a couple of years now, you got to pay attention to this, folks, because these guys are different gals, too. I mean, they're capitalized different. And when the market turns, so when used inventory started to go up, what well, what I saw on my end tracking things on the auction market was that from July through December, we saw a huge amount of late model high horse tractors and combines pushed onto the auction market. And, right. uh, and I just do my thing. I just say, hey, here's what they brought. Boom, 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 boom. And with large horsepower tractors, it was fascinating. So let's take one example, like a John Deere 8R410 okay just just a couple years old so i saw 26 of them sold from august through december now that's a lot in a one short 4 month time period and if you know we saw them go as high as 437 as low as 329 if mm-hmm. you crunched them together the average auction price during that 4 month window was 392,986 bucks so just under 393 yep of course, our machinery peat business. We also compile uh, dealer advertised prices, and if you look today, the average dealer ad price on an 8R410 is 483,562 bucks. And I have this uh, data point. We call it our machinery peat ratio (MPR). Yeah, yeah. Super simple: average auction price divided by average dealer ad price. And I've been compiling it like 23 years now. All through the ups and downs of the egg cycles, seventy-one to seventy-six percent is average. Right. If if you do the math right now on a John Deere 8R 410, the machine repeat ratio is eighty-one point three percent. Yeah. So people, one of the other things I think we'll talk about the big trends of the year was a huge push towards pre-def. You know, everyone wants it, and I'm not denying that's been a huge story. But I've never seen this before when a supply goes up that much on used late model and they're pushed out to auction and the auction price is over 80% of the retail asking price. Right. Compared to a decade ago in in 14, we got down under 60%. Right.
0: And the lot's filled up with equipment.
5: Right. Right. So to me, this, all this, I could boil this down. This is, these larger dealers are trying to get ahead of it. Yeah. And they don't want stuff to pile up. So they got really pretty, you know, they're a little spooked. So they started pushing out combines and pushing out late like model tractors. But they, what's helping this along is one of the other big changes is, you know, the whole growth of online only and online bidding yeah. since the pandemic. So now you're, if a dealer's in three states and they put 30 combines on an auction, their buyers are from like 40 states. Right. Right. And that wasn't the case before. And so I think one takeaway for me is that the whole space, you take this up the chain to the manufacturer level, they want to retain pricing power. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, stockholders like that, blah, yep. blah, blah. Right. And now they have conditions to better do that. Now yep. it'll, right. like, say, when the calendar flips, we'll see what happens. But to me, this was a huge story this yeah. year.
0: It's it was Greg just the changeover in the way that they're managing inventory. Uh, yep. It's being driven by the cost of money, in part. Yep. Uh, you don't want you don't want debt sitting out there on the lot. You want it moved to the market, right? And and uh, yep. it's it it is a significant change in the way that the markets are are that this market well, is functioning.
5: Here's so. another data point for you. Let's look at a John Deere S780 combine. Just a couple years old. Like I say, from July to December, whoosh, dealers, these big dealers pushing them out. Yeah. So I saw 184 S680s sold at auction in 23. Now, you know how many I saw sold in 22? 38. Oh, ho, ho, ho. And the year before in 21, 40. So over six times increase, or whatever that would be, 40, I guess, yeah, four and a half. Yeah. You know, it's a humongous increase in the volume sold at auction. And now yeah. they did drop, they did soften, but my machine repeat ratio on John Deere S680 combines right now is about 61%. Okay. And again, a decade ago, it was more like 52%. Okay. So this are these big dealers just jamming them out to get ahead of the market. And then again, more online bidding from yep. all over. And the whole space, the used excess is moving more efficiently. That would be yep. a way to describe it versus 10 years ago.
0: Yep. Yep, we've only got about ninety seconds left here, Greg. But another trend that was clear in twenty three is the move is the demand for the pre def uh, tractors. You mentioned it.
5: Yeah, there's just so many examples. I mean, pick your color. I mean, John Deere forty four forty for eighty five k a case, eighty nine twenty for one hundred twenty five and a quarter, and eighty eighty nine forty for a buck forty eight. We've just seen records smashed throughout the year, Chip, and it'll be interesting again when the calendar flips. Take away your year-end tax push to see what happens, but uh, no, that's just it, that wave has just been increasing. Not just with tractors, also yep. combines, and uh, right down the
3: line.
0: Yep, and back to where this conversation started. We're getting older. We're watching the industry get it older with us here, Greg, but it's having an impact on on uh, the auction market
5: yeah it is i'm seeing you know a lot of my auctioneer friends in their 70s and 80s unfortunately we're seeing you know folks pass away and yeah. we're seeing dealer folks retiring after 40 50 year careers all yeah. that gained knowledge and the service end retiring uh farmers a lot of my farmer friends i had a guy I did a preview video for two years ago clinton frana from calmer iowa I just saw it he had his old bit and just passed away so yeah, yeah time marches on and it changes it doesn't make it easy but you know, we just keep pushing forward, do the best we can, I guess.
0: Absolutely. We'll do the best we can in 2024 as well. There, it's starting to happen already. It's starting to roll right off the tongue <laughs> here, Greg.
5: Yeah, hey, we're getting there. you teach That's old dogs right. new tricks?
0: Yep. Happy New Year, my friend. Thank you.
5: You bet. Happy New Year, uh, folks.
0: All right. That's Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. We'll be back with more talk in a moment.
1: Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer.
0: Let's take this opportunity to do just a bit of looking back at some of the predictions we made this time last year. We lobbied hard for the 2022 event of the year, the 22 event of the year, to be China's quick clearing of the red tape to allow imports of Brazilian corn. As a matter of fact, I went as far as to say I'm afraid that in six months we are going to be looking back and say, wow, that was a game changer. Was it ever a game changer? China's willingness to import from last year's record Brazilian corn crop is a major headwind for the 2023 and will be for the 2024 crop U.S. corn market. Another one, at the end of 2022, the consensus pick for a market happening in 2023 was a move to new all-time high cattle prices. That happened. And the move to a cycle high was right on time. From here, cycle analysis, strictly cycle analysis, says demand deterioration will make a still-tight beef supply feel like a burdensome supply at some point in 2024. Next stop in the 10-year cycle is a cycle price low due in 2026. At the start of 2023, one of my predictions was that biofuels, including ethanol, would have a comeback year. That comeback happened, and it was led by the next-gen biofuels like renewable diesel and the sustainable aviation fuel. That's going to be a big story in 2024. We learned a lot from 2023, and I'm sure if we all keep our minds open to the possibilities, we'll learn a lot from the year ahead, too.
6: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors.
5: Monday, Monday, so good to me.
0: Welcome back Monday, to Agritalk. Monday, Happy New Year everybody. Man, that was an interesting conversation with Greg Peterson from Machinery Pete. Uh, the trends that we saw in 2023 and the way that the dealers are managing inventory so that it so that they don't end up with a burdensome supply of inventory out there on the dealer lots i think that's all very interesting it's going to have a major impact on uh on on that market in the year ahead. We've got a couple of conversations left in the cookie jar from last year that I want to feature now. Uh, These focus on crop protection and are part of the reason why I think we need to prepare for what could or should be a record national average corn yield in 2024. Uh, And I think that the anticipation of that is going to influence your marketing decisions in the year ahead. Now, I'm not claiming that the corn crop is bulletproof, but I am confident that it can take a punch. The question is, how many punches can it take before we start to whittle away at that yield potential? We saw it start to weigh on conditions in west-central Iowa in 2023 with back-to-back-to-back droughts. Let's learn more about why we should be preparing for a record corn yield in 2024. At the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention down in Kansas City, a uh, conversation with Jeff Hart's marketing manager for Cropland. And Jeff, it's a bit of a... You know, Cropland's unique. It's an independent uh, seed brand out there. Why, why do you want
6: farmers to understand that cropland is an independent. Well, I think the biggest thing from our perspective is uh, being independent today in this industry allows you some some really unique advantages. We're able to look across the industry um, and, you know, really find what we believe is going to serve growers the best. So that's probably the one, you know, one of the uh, key components. I think there are other companies that also uh, are like-minded, but, you know, there are advantages to, um, you know, being able to think for yourself and to go out and um, really, do what you believe is gonna you know serve the growers and the retailers you work with the very best yeah so what what about the marketing side of things how does it different dealing with an independent as far as placing an order as far as getting delivery and so on well I think what's unique about cropland um, while we're independent we're probably the only or one of the largest independent yeah. seed companies that that focuses completely on retail yeah so for us that's a big part of the, the buying experience and I think looking forward especially we believe that retailer is going to be more important than ever in the purchasing decision simply because of all the complex agronomic decisions uh, that need to be made on that acre. And the, and the retailer's in an outstanding spot to understand those, understand all the products that need to be under consideration, understand the fertility, uh, how to protect the crop. And, um, you know, so we feel like that that's a unique piece of cropland um, in that we're independent but focused solely on the retail channel.
0: Well, when you're in the shop, You're talking about every—you're making a plan. You're not just buying seed. You're making a plan for the full year from crop protection to the
6: fertilizer to everything up and down the chain. That's absolutely right, uh, Chip. I think we believe that uh, the people that are really really having a lot of success do not look at seed as a one-dimensional decision. Um, Mm -hmm. Seed can't be a one-dimensional decision today because of all the—again, all the complex— uh, agronomic interactions that happen on that acre. So if you're not building out that fertility plan, your crop protection plan, a fungicide plan, understanding where those dollars and which hybrids uh, to put them against and in which scenario, that's those are the things that are um, you know really helping growers succeed today.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, we were joking before we started the conversation about how I keep getting these com- comments from across the Corn Belt of where in the world did all this corn come from? Well, the genetic push that we've had and the management push that we've had got us to 2023 making more bushels than we probably should have with the conditions that we had let's look forward more of the same coming
6: yeah i think that the key word in almost every year it seems like is just variability and this year we suffered you know dry conditions off of off a really wide footprint across the u.s and and like you said the. The ability to handle stress and perform under really stressful conditions especially in our our, you know corn genetics um has really been surprising to a lot of people and so you know another advantage that comes along with that when you're developing your product lineup you're working with your uh, testing program you've got the opportunity then to look at and select genetics that um you know that you've been able to witness and to test in really stressful conditions so you know, I think that's one of the key components to the seed companies that are succeeding and getting ahead. They've got lineups that can handle diverse weather conditions. They understand how to place products. Um, and they're, you know, they're really bringing, bringing great genetic advancement to the market and to growers every year. You know, when it comes to soybeans
0: and, and the seed development out there, the management, the way the guys are growing beans now is has got to be a challenge for some of the, the
6: the guys providing seed. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know we talked a lot about stressful conditions this year in 2023 i think one of the things that we have moved towards um, at cropland pretty strongly is a wind pack and so that's a yeah. somewhat of a unique concept in the industry but we take two complementary varieties maybe an offensive type variety blend it with more of a defensive variety and we're able to achieve all or even a little bit more yield but mitigate some of that risk um, of really having a you know a low yield or sort of a disaster scenario on an acre so That's a unique concept, and it's really designed, and we spend the extra time and the extra effort to do something like that just because we know how important it is to be able to handle diverse weather conditions. Um, Whatever Mother Nature throws at you, whatever, you know, diverse soil types that you might find in the same field, uh, we've got products that can handle that sort of environment. So that's, you know, we believe that offers a lot of value to the grower. Boy, Jeff, that summed things up for you right there. Thanks. Good to talk with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Chip. Thank you. All right. That is Jeff Hart's Marketing Manager
0: for Cropland. Gail Stradman is a regional tech manager for FMC, joins us right now. Gail, it's good to see you again. Good to see you, Chip. Welcome to the NAFB. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, when the planning season comes around, we all think about going on offense. All right. Let's, let's push it. Let's push it. Let's push it. Uh, let's build this yield as fast as we can. A lot of times, a good offense starts with a good defense and protecting that crop.
7: Right from the get-go, what does FMC got planned to help us do that? Well, yeah, it's like you said. When we, go, when we go into the field, you know, of course, the biggest thing is putting the seed in the ground. But we've got a huge investment in equipment that we're going across the field. And with the advancements in technology with planners and precision application, we can now utilize that equipment to gain efficiencies by putting, uh, you know, like I said, crop protection products out fmc's got a, a wide portfolio of at plant products and so we just want to bring attention to utilizing that that time of year and that application to take advantage of some of those um, opportunities to gain those efficiencies going across the field whether we're talking about um, insect products um, like our capture uh, products that have been out there forever but then you think about ethos brands um, which are a combination of insecticide but now bring seedling disease control with that to help that uh, stand get off to a better start, and a more consistent start. And then we talk about our foliar fungicides like Zyway. Well, that's been a game changer where now we get foliar disease control, but we utilize the planter to put it on. And then we think about we've got multiple platforms to do this with. We've got the, the old traditional liquid app plant that you combine with fertilizers. But then we have our Thrive foam system. And now we have a seed treatment platform as well. So we have got three different uh, application ways to put many of these products on. So we continue to expand the ability of growers to utilize equipment that time of year to gain efficiencies.
0: Gail, you and I have known each other for
7: 15 years, 20 years. Yeah. Did you ever think that they'd be doing this much with one pass? I, I You could envision it and you could always see, man, if, if we could only do this or if we could only do that. And a lot of times it just takes um, a lot of persistence, a lot of patience and a lot of uh, getting, you know, you got to get a headache over it and yeah. figure out how to get it done because Rome wasn't built in a day. And so being able to uh, to continue to build these things um, has been really exciting to see and see them come to fruition. And then a lot of times the, the results of them are, are a lot of times more than you even expect. Yeah. So it's been a really, really exciting journey. Okay,
0: so with the technology that you guys provide for that at-plant yep. crop protection, does it make you nervous that guys are maybe pushing the envelope a little bit on that planning date?
7: Well, but, but if they're going to be doing that, that's when you talk you mentioned we gotta have a little bit of defense. We got we gotta it, it's all about risk management. And so if we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of the opportunities to get into the field and cover more acres like that and, and try to use um, you know, early planning as an opportunity to do that. We've also gotta understand what the risks are with that and how do we protect ourselves. And so that's where like I said, many of our our biofungicides, like um, Zeronar and uh, and Ethos, can really help guys manage that risk so that um, it lessens the chances of them having a problem, and they can take advantage of that early opportunity to uh, to get crop in the ground. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, you mentioned the fungicides.
0: In in a lot of cases, when when times have been pretty good in the grain markets. Yep it's just a no-brainer right you go with it right the outlook is that margins are going to be tightening up right. they might
7: be thinking twice about that yeah fungicide application what do you tell them well when you you know when the, when the margins tighten up then it becomes really important to focus on okay how do I maximize my return on investment yeah. how do I maximize my yield on that acre because if I can't if I can't gain my profit, through the price piece, I'm going to have to make sure I'm producing every bushel off that acre and having as consistent a yield response across my acres as I can. So that's really where, like I said, a product like our Ethos Elite is going to pay off. You're going to see a positive ROI on that um, more, more often than not. And, uh, and so as you think about um, trying to maximize your input on that acre and get a return on investment, you got to look at the data and look at the yield response that we get from those kind of products. And we're very confident that you'll get it out of our, our, our um, insecticide, biofungicide products um, that we're using that plant. That's when defense becomes offense. That's when defense becomes offense. You are correct. All right. Gail,
0: good to see you again, buddy.
7: Good to see you, Chip. Thank you.
0: Yep. All right. That is Gail Stratman. He is regional tech manager for FMC. We'll be back with more AgriTalk
3: here in a moment. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The truth
7: is hard to come by these days unless you listen to Agritalk.
2: One minute to go. One minute to say goodbye.
0: Welcome back to Agritalk. Talking now with Dr. David Sherbrand. He's a veterinarian uh, with Boehringer Ingelheim. And um, David, th- we've got the new FDA guidance on antibiotic use. We need to make sure that guys are doing things right out there and that they got a program in place to work with their veterinarian to make sure that they're taking care of their animals. Tell us about
8: it. Yeah, that's correct, Chip. So the uh, FDA Center for Veterinary Medicine um, Guidance for Industry 263 came out this past June. What that does is it basically takes the remaining uh, antibiotics that were over-the-counter and converts those to a prescription status. So penicillins, tetracyclines, uh, calf boluses, mastitis tubes, all those types of drugs are all now prescription. First, first key there is just obviously to work with a veterinarian because you know you have to have a veterinary client-patient relationship with a veterinarian. Um, and you know, let's take a look at your cattle, help to, you know, decide which are the best drugs you're needing at that at that time point for that current issue you're facing. Um, you know that's that's uh, an important part of this. This is just have judicious antibiotic use because we're really trying to prevent antibiotic resistance issues into the future, help cattle health, and then help you know food safety as well. I think a lot of cattlemen thought
0: right up front that this meant that they were going to have to have a bed on the farm if if a calf needed a shot. That's not that's not accurate, is it? They can still administer but they just have to have that relationship with their veterinarian to make sure that they are doing the right things at the right time.
8: Correct, yeah. The the veterinarian just has to write the prescription. Uh, Most oftentimes the the producer will purchase the drugs from the veterinarian, but there's also possibilities of of purchasing those drugs from outside sources. Um, But the key there is, yeah, the veterinarian does not have to be on the farm for every sick animal that you want to give antibiotics too does not have to administer it it's no different than any of the other antibiotics that were previously prescription you can go into your veterinarian say you're having this issue they can sell you a bottle of antibiotic and can use it for that particular animal and then other animals in the future but it's just good to have the veterinarian involved that way if you know something's not going quite right they can help you work through those issues
0: absolutely absolutely okay um one a load of calves, a load of feeder cattle show up on your farm. You want to make sure that they're in about as best health as they can be when they roll off. And that includes, uh, you know, you might want to hit them and worm them first thing they do when they step off that, that truck. Uh, what, do, what do we not need to think about when it comes to
8: worming cattle? Yeah, when it comes to worming cattle, and this, I'll sound like a broken record, but always involve your veterinarian. Talk with your veterinarian because they know what, what issues are going on in that current in your location but then also they might know what's going on in the location those cattle are coming from yeah um but it's very important to get these cattle deworms because the uh, worms actually have an effect um, on the immune system that can actually depress the immune system so if you have a high worm burden um, those cattle you know they're stressed from the trip and everything else they're more likely to get sick if they're carrying worms so we can get those cattle dewormed as soon as possible we can get those cattle healthier gaining weight faster, and then have just higher productivity.
0: Yeah. With, with the cost of that animal, when it steps off the truck now, David, uh, you, you want to do everything that you possibly can to avoid any of those shipping sicknesses. What else do we need to think
8: about? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, as far as the worms go, we got the, the immune issues. Um, you know, if we're getting rid of worms and we're increasing the rate of gain, you know, if you're bringing in heifers for breeding, you're going to yep. help with the reproductive issues. You know, they have probably better conceptions, um, yeah. earlier calving with those heifers as well. Um, yeah. yeah,
0: Very good. Thank you, David. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Chip. All right. That is Dr. David Shearburn. He is with Bowringer Ingelheim. Yep. That is some great counsel right there, David. Keep the gut in those animals healthy and you can expect peak performance in your livestock operation i'll have a little bit more on that thought here in just a little bit okay guys at the start of the show we talked about what we learned in 2023 that will help make us help us make decisions in 2024 we started with interest rates interest rates were such a huge story in 2023 i think there there what happens with interest rates in 2024, right now, is uh, is the leader in what will be the story of the year in 2024? We fleshed some of that out in the, in the opening uh, segment. I just don't. I think that the the expectations of interest rate cuts have gotten too aggressive at this point. We're going to have to scale that back and uh, reevaluate for 2024. In segment 3, we talked about the potential for a record yield. How genetics are helping us get there, how crop protection is helping us get there, how management of the crop is helping us get there. I want to talk just briefly about how that will influence your marketing decisions. With with the expectations of a 2.1 billion bushel corn crop left over at the end of the 2023-24 marketing year, 245 million bushels of beans. That's tight. It's a 5.9% stocks to use ratio. It's not a burdensome supply of beans. But nonetheless, we've got adequate supplies of uh, of corn and soybeans expected to be left over at the end of the 23-24 marketing year. As we talk about the expectations of what yields will be, especially for this corn market in the year ahead, that's going to put a cap on rallies. What that should be doing is, is putting you in a mode that it is time to sell rallies. You know, we'll talk more about that this afternoon. I don't think there's any question. I also mentioned consumer resiliency at the start of the show. It is going to be tested. It will be a critical component of how the cattle market trades in 2024. High-quality beef cuts have always been an affordable luxury for consumers to enjoy at home. It's an affordable luxury until it's not. And you know what I think about the affordability situation in this country. It's not very affordable. Okay, we'll see how that affects the market. Come back this afternoon, conversation about what to expect in 2024 with Tanner Emke from CoBank. Happy New Year. This is AgriTalk. For